And we're live. All right, let's go awesome. ahead and let's turn off this music here. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna turn that off. And there we are. Welcome everybody to the NPC's weekly news roundup for March 6, 2020. My name is Travis. I'm joined by Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> That's Kyle. That's Kyle. That's, That's the guy. me. <laughs> He's the only one who participates with me in the news. The other two, eh, not so much. Yes, they're gonna see this, and I know I'm gonna get a lot of shit yeah. from them calling them out. We'll hear it tomorrow. I'm doing it right now. So we decided to go ahead and change up the format of our live stream and have, or format necessarily of the news, and decided to go ahead and take it to a live stream format. So that way, once this is done, we can both publish a episode on the podcast and go ahead and dump this onto YouTube for, I guess, future viewing or anybody who's not able to tune into the stream. So welcome, everybody, for uh, and thank you for joining us. I don't actually know if we have anybody watching right now. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We don't. Anyway, so we got actually a couple great news topics for you. Um, we are going to be talking about how coronavirus is currently impacting the gaming industry right now, how Castlevania has decided to make an appearance on Android and iOS. One of my favorite games. Absolutely. And we'll get into a couple other things. So let's go ahead and roll our intro. So let's go ahead and jump into our first topic here. I'll bring this up. Where's my webcam? We're missing. Where's our webcam? Ah, there, there we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> you start. You, we do this as a brand new thing. And of course, we're going to have technical issues as things go on. All right. So let's jump into our first story here from Polygon. Uh, game developers conference postponed as major game companies pull out. Sony, EA, Activision, Blizzard, Unity, and Epic Games have all withdrawn due to COVID-19 concerns. Go ahead and read a little bit of this here at the beginning. This year's Game Developers Conference has been postponed from March to summer in the wake of the high-profile withdrawals by companies that had planned to attend. Sony, Microsoft, Epic Games, Unity, Activision Blizzard, Amazon, and Facebook, including Oculus, all canceled plans to attend the show, citing health concerns related to the spread of the novel coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19. So what we've been seeing, especially here in the news as of late, is that coronavirus isn't stopping. It looks like everything's starting to slow down in China right now. But the big thing that we're noticing out of it right now is that China's taking a break, but everywhere else is getting the crap kicked out of it. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen next because we're only a few months away from E3. Right. Uh, let's see. GDC, of course, was the most recent one. Google I.O. was also canceled. Um, Facebook's F8 or Fate, whatever they call it, yeah. was also postponed. Um, what else was there? Mobile World Congress over in Barcelona, Spain was canceled. So even not, I mean, it's not just the gaming industry itself that's impacted, but it's also the, it, it's every industry anyway that has any sort of international presence, right. which nowadays is everything. And, you know, with it being such a big public health concern, you know, the companies have to look out for specifically their employees and the people mm -hmm. that they're sending to these conferences in other locations. So Exactly. And so one of the biggest concerns as it comes down to um, as it comes down to travel is that it really can hinder business anyway, because you are required for some business to actually travel, to give presentations, to make new business, to actually continue your company growing. 
and not being able to do that, especially GDC, where it is a um, it's not necessarily just for things to be shown off, but it's for people to pitch themselves where people who like even us, as an example, we could have gone and pitched ourselves for, you know, something. You know, the podcast itself, though, too. Granted, NPCs I mean, the game. NPCs the game. Oh, I wouldn't even play that. But I'm just saying is that people could have gone, especially those who are in the industry, could have gone and uh, pitched themselves to be able to get a job with someone like EA or with Blizzard or something. You know, it's like, here's the idea we have. It's just it would require your level of development and funding to make it happen. Right. And so, of course, the business is going to be impacted. But I think the one thing we haven't heard yet, though, is if... Uh, E3 is going to be impacted because we're only talking a couple months away now from that, and that's got its all its other issues anyway, though too. Right, and some of their people are already looking towards E3 because it is just three months out. That it, with it being such a big health concern, that they may have to reschedule or maybe even cancel this year and postpone it till next year. So. Wow. Yeah. See, and that's, I mean, even in the grander scheme of things, too, like the Tokyo Olympics, you've got that that people are still saying is going to happen. But right. I don't know if that is either. So what we don't know right now, of course, I mean, we're not industry insiders. I mean, Kyle hasn't worked for GameStop for millions of years now. <laughs> um, they probably won't exist for another millions of years anyway. But um we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We follow the news just the same way that everybody else does. And so we're just going to have to keep an eye out on it, just like the rest of you, and kind of see what happens. Fingers crossed that we don't get any delayed consoles, though. Right. That Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 still come out at the end of this year. Well, and I think a big part of that will be hopefully they already have some of the components procured that they won't you know, need to rely on new production of places that are, you know, affected by the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So that could be a big thing, too. Absolutely. Um, I guess let's just see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it doesn't affect the, the actual console price at release. So. Oh, God. See, I'm already worried about spending like $600 on a console. I don't need it at least another $100 or nah, even that's, more. That's like a $150 coronavirus fee. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to cost that much to expand the storage on the Series X if that rumor still holds true. Right. I don't want it. I don't want to get into that one. So with that, we carry on to the next story here. And I'm going to tell you, Eurogamer, to just uh, not advertise to me like that anymore. All right. So the next story here on our list does come to us from Eurogamer. Uh, Bloodstained Dev ditches $5 million roguelike stretch goal after, over four years after Kickstarter success. So maybe you can talk a little bit about this one then. Um, so basically they wanted to have a roguelike element added to the game later on that was still part of their Kickstarter project. Okay. But I, I want to say, I believe they fell short of the goal is what, what happened. So they've scrapped it for a new game element. Um, kind of an interesting, interesting way. I, I don't know. Do, is, is this a common thing that, that companies do? I don't know. I like to go back to Kickstarter, um, or to go back and well, I don't know. Actually, I'm really trying to think. Like, I that shouldn't be the norm. I, I just thought it was an interesting thing to touch on because of that. Um, I don't know, and it's just kind of odd. But we are getting some new game content for Bloodstained. So they upon continuously updating the. Uh, 
game, they, they are coming out with new content for it. Yeah, because it says here, Roguelike was meant to add procedurally generated dungeons to the game. Here's how it was pitched when it was announced on the 11th of June, 2015, just after the Kickstarter hit $4 million. So in this mode, you'll face a new castle every time, braving its treacherous and massive halls for loot, glory, and the simple satisfying feeling of going where no Miriam has gone before. Once you explored its passages and defeated its boss, you'll get a code that will enable you to share your random, randomly generated dungeon with a friend. So this sounds... Who else had some randomly generated dungeons? So I know Link's Awakening added in a new dungeon creator feature right. that then you could share... I don't remember if it was just straight up with online but or because if it of was gameplay, with... I would think this would be more like a Rogue Legacy level or um, Dead Cells is what they were trying mm. to aim for. Okay. But... Um, with it being a whole castle that, I mean, e- even myself, I've played Castlevania Symphony of the Night. This is maybe not a, the greatest example, but it's the same creator. So, How long is Bloodstained total? Um, like the... 20 hours. Okay. Like minimum. But if it's, okay, so, and how, like, is the overall game itself like Castlevania where it's just one castle exactly that you're actually working same. through? Okay. Yeah. So for a new castle to be generated, a um, the enemies to be placed where they needed to be. Um, to add in a new boss or to duplicate the boss from the game from the base level game itself, I could see that as a bit of a massive undertaking, and to make that so it randomly generates for every person out there who owns this game, right? I can see that as a challenge. Um, but it's interesting though that it took them so long from 2015 for almost five years for them to say we're not just going to do it, right? Because when did Bloodstain release? Was it just this year, or has it actually uh, been I out since then? I think it was 2018, okay. I believe. Okay, so they get their funding. It took them three years to release this game. And then two years later, they're like, well, you paid us extra for this, and now you're not going to get right. what we're asking for. And they, they have had issues with the game um, since release. I They've had multiple patches that have corrected them. Um, but I don't know. It, it's kind of an odd thing. Um, but on the same effect... Um, it's very ambitious of them to go after that type of roguelike strategy in, in a game. When you look at games like Dead Cells, when you look at games like Enter the Gungeon, they're mm-hmm. smaller, more compact. You know, you can go through a run on Enter the Gungeon in an hour, whereas, you know, you, you put that to a 20-hour game. Mm-hmm. I don't know that ne- people would necessarily want to continuously play other people's dungeons, regardless of how cool the enemy sets were or, you know, locations were of stuff. But the question is, would you, as a fan of Castlevania and Metroidvania-type games, would you go back and play other people's dungeons? Honestly, I would probably do it a couple times. Okay. But I I don't think I would use it more than a couple times. So you wouldn't actively seek it out, I guess, maybe because it's another 20-hour investment into the same game that you just played and you're not really getting much else other than some randomization? I think so, because a a lot of the games that I replay, I don't know about you, uh, but when I replay them, especially because... Castlevania is a good one to mention because I've played it so many times, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I I know what to expect. One of the reasons I'm going back to it is because I know what to expect. Okay. Um, I, I think if it were shorter like a game like Dead Cells, like Enter the Gungeon, um, like Rogue Legacy, um, yeah, I would go back to it more frequently and, you know, without such a long break in between. Um, but you know, you're talking about a long-term experience. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the big interrupt for me. Okay. 
No, and that's kind of a disappointment, you know, that they went ahead and they took this long to do it. I don't know if Kickstarter has any sort of buffers or additional mechanisms out there after yeah. the actual uh, project has lapsed. Because even though the project completed um, or the, the funding completed and the game was made, I don't know what a stretch goal requirement is for Kickstarter, like how they uphold that with the uh, the people who are pushing that on their right. um, on their funding, because it's it's those things where some people on Kickstarter have been burned because, you know, a product doesn't get made or anything. You know, it's like, oh, here's all this. Give us three million dollars to make it. And then there are some things you can go to do to get your money back. But that's usually before the product is even truly made. Yeah. And yeah. this is a case where, you know, we're, we're not giving you the product that we told you were going to get. But you are going to get something. It's going to be completely different, but you're still getting something. Yes, absolutely. So that's a problem. It all on its own. I, I don't know how many people are actually going to be looking forward to or or missing out on this one itself, though. But for it to be a $5 million stretch goal that was hit, I mean, that's a big chunk of change to to lose out on for a feature that you were hoping you were going to get. So right. I, I guess we'll have to see if this does end up in any sort of arbitration or any sort of legal proceeding between Kickstarter and the uh, developers of Bloodstain. So let's go ahead and move on to our next story here on the list. And this one comes to us from Polygon. Uh, unannounced Star Wars game appears to leak via PlayStation Network. Star Wars Project Maverick listing reportedly added to the European PSN. A new Star Wars video game, one that hasn't been officially announced by publisher Electronic Arts, may have just been revealed thanks to a data-mined PlayStation Store listing. According to the Twitter account PSN Releases, which is run by a bot that monitors Sony's PlayStation Network for new games, a title called Star Wars Project Maverick is in development. So, let's see... Uh, does it say anything here? It looks like it says, uh, artwork features a lone Imperial Star Destroyer, uh, Star, ugh, Star Destroyer and a small fleet of X-Wing Starfighters, employing that the project would likely take place around the original Star Wars trilogy era. And yeah, that's, that's fair to say. We're, like, for, before we even get into this being an unannounced game or, you know, the, the fact that it would be a Star Wars game based in the original universe is not a surprise. It's the fact that, um, you know, that's where a lot of people will go back to play their games. I mean, look at, like, what Ro the, um, what, what was it? Rogue Squadron. Yeah. And that was out on N64 and GameCube. Um, Shadows of the Empire. It took place during that time period. Um, uh, Battlefronts, the original Battlefront 1 and 2. Well, um, even in the new they Battlefronts, mm -hmm. they exactly. It, so exactly, you're not going to see any more of this expansion out into the things like Knights of the Old Republic, the Old Republic, Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, or anything. So, right, because the original trilogy is a safe haven, right, for video, for Star Wars video games, and it's going to be. Well, and I think now with Disney owning the license, I think it's going to be a hard, uh, harder to sell some of these. Uh, what what are they calling it? The the Star Wars Legends or something? Or well, so Legends is what the expanded universe became after oh, okay. after Disney bought Lucasfilm or LucasArts. I don't remember the parent company, but yeah, after they bought that, they retired all of the expanded universe. So things like um, Mara Jade, so who Luke's wife was, right, you know, right. she was the right hand of uh, the whoever the new emperor was. Um, 
uh, a lot of the development. I mean, there were elements that were taken from that to go into the new trilogy. So, like, um, Jaden and Jason Solo, right. they kind of fell into the same thing where they're twins. Um, I know Ray and um, Ray and uh, Finn? and Kylo Ren are not, oh, are right. not twins. Yeah. Yeah. However, you know, and that'd be weird, especially with what happened at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, effectively, though, is that it follows the same thing, is that in that part, Han Solo and Leia are going to have twins the girl they both go through jedi training but the boy ends up being seduced by the dark side and the girl ends up kind of trying to be his sister ends up being kind of like the savior it's it's the same side of things right so they tried to pull some of that so yeah so that's expanded universe is gone that's called legends now no, so okay. yeah okay. exactly so they now get to go ahead and just rewrite all of that but going back into the game side of things here so on the game front of things, yeah, it's a safe it's a safe haven for them because nobody's going to turn away an original trilogy game. However, I guess it's not necessarily like surprising to see that they would have another game in development right now, mostly because they have not put out many games. Right. We had that um, that bounty hunter behind the scenes game that was canceled. Um, I can't even remember the name of it, but you know which one I'm talking about. It took place on Coruscant. Um, yeah, you were playing as a bounty hunter, and it was like like a lot of the way it was pitched and marketed. I had almost forgot about that yeah. one. It was like Star Wars eighteen sixteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a number in the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was that game that got canceled, um, and then some other Lucas Art stuff in the transition to Disney, and then EA got the license, but they've only put out Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefront One, Battlefront Two, and then a mobile game. Right. That's it. Since they've had the license, they've only put out four games. That's kind of a, a shame. So for them to be able to put out a fifth game would be good, but how far along that is, we don't. And what kind of know. game is it going to be? I mean, that graphic it almost makes me think: mm-hmm. is this, this going to be the uh, evolution of the Rogue Squadron series? Mm-hmm. That would be. To be honest with you, I would love to see a focus on Rogue Squadron games again. I would love to see just strictly um, vehicular combat. I don't care about the ground oh, troop yeah. side of things that. But the other part of it is I want it to be multi-platform. Played on PC. I mean, I could actually see playing a Rogue Squadron-style game on the Switch. Oh, And take that absolutely. with me. Especially if they could ever re-release uh, the Rogue Squadron games from like N64 and GameCube on the Switch. I, I would buy all of them. Same here. Those were, those were my jam when I could actually get my hands on a uh, on a GameCube. Especially. Right. Yeah, because all I had was an N64 as a kid. And I skipped GameCube and even Wii and all that. So so that's that story. Um Let's go ahead and keep just things rolling here. Uh, next one comes to us from Engadget. And I will say right now, both Kyle and I have purchased this game. Castlevania Symphony of the Night unexpectedly arrives on mobile. Beloved ca- uh, classic Castlevania has been ported many times and now entirely without warning is coming to mobile. Konami's Castlevania Symphony of the Night is available on both iOS and Android for $3 without in-app purchases. So this is cool because like, I don't know how much you've actually spent in this game at all right now. Um, like I've, I've probably got maybe an hour in it right now, just from like, I haven't even really been like trying to play the game itself. It's just kind of going around and oh, just yeah. kind of reliving some of the things with it. Uh, but have you put any time into it yet? Um, very little. I'll be honest. I just got past where death takes all your equipment and then you get the cube Um, Okay. Yeah, I I know my way through the game. I can beat it in under 10 hours. I've done it multiple times. Um, I could probably sit down and in 
easily a 20 minute period uh get through to the library and uh past so that's like what the uh, the first two bosses gabin and i forgot the other guy and your doppelganger mm-hmm. um, yes yeah so yeah um but one thing we were talking about this before we started streaming is that controller support is only available on the Android version, and it's almost necessary. Yes, it is. I those mobile controls are a pain, and like that hour is that's why it's like I'm just playing with the controls on screen, and that's why it's like I'm just kind of just running through just to check things out and just kind of push yeah. ahead because yeah, playing with mobile controls as probably most of us know is awful, and it's it's funny because you got the ga- the graphic pulled up on your other screen uh, of mm-hmm. the actual uh, screenshot. And you can see the, the, yeah. the icon for the mist transformation and the icon for the bat transformation, but there's no icon for the wolf transformation. So did they like take that out of the game? Or I wonder if it just gets added on later. Because this, this image is actually from early on in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is definitely very early itself too. But yeah, the, the controls don't feel bad itself like because you know it is a mobile game so they're gonna feel a little wonky anyway though too i think the problem for a lot of people though is that um (coughs) excuse me is that you're so used to playing mobile games where you have to actually like pick up your thumbs or yeah i I almost need that tactile feedback Mm, exactly and they make those cases where you can actually slap them down on the front of the screen and they have some nubs on it so you can actually feel like you're using a joystick but that's another case you have to add. Whereas like, you know, I could use, I mean, this is my adapter for my Xbox one controller for what I'm doing, uh, the game streaming beta, but I can still use it the exact same way with my Android phone and my Xbox controller to play this game, which is the next thing I'm going to do. So yeah, but I, I think that's cool that they added it. I'm glad that instead of us having to use emulators that we can go back and get these games again, granted, it's more money we have to spend to get these games that we probably own several copies of anyway. But, you know, we're going about it the legal way. We're getting these games on there now. And who knows, maybe this will be Nintendo's next step is that, you know, Konami and Bethesda have put out some of their old games. Maybe we'll see Nintendo actually put out an official mobile emulator for some things, you know, like maybe not necessarily the entire catalog you see for um, the online services with NES and SNES, but maybe some uh, like one or two of those games, or who knows? Maybe we could see um, with licenses like this being ported over. Maybe we could see some uh, Scott Pilgrim come back to oh, God. some consoles. Oh my or God! Yes, mobile. I I don't know. Oh my gosh, that that by far I think if you want to talk about any tie-in to a video or uh, tie-in to a movie, um, or even the book series though too, I think. Scott Pilgrim, I think that was the right choice for the way that game had to be set yeah. up. Yeah. Like, that game could not be anything else because, of course, the book, ha- the comic book series has its video game elements. The movie itself retains those, but the game itself had to be an old-school, like, TMNT-style side-scroller, you know, go through the level, yeah, beat them beat up. up. Yes. But I, I think this also God, shows that, that our again. phones are a lot more capable of, like, some more, I don't know... Mm-hmm. expanded gaming than than just like angry birds or toon blast you know <laughs> um i i'd like to yeah. see more of these uh ports like you said just because we we are seeing that the the phone is capable of it right and we're not in one of those positions yet where or we're not in one of those positions right now especially where it's hard to get access to games either right I mean, the, or at least 
access to quality games on mobile because you look at things like how PUBG Mobile has come up. You look at Call of Duty Mobile. Granted, microtransactions are going to be a bitch Even regardless Fortnite. of how anybody tells you. Yeah, Fortnite as well too is that there are console quality games coming out that don't have to be related to games that are on console right now. They can be their own standalone thing. And some of that does kind of go back to like your, I'm not going to say early days of Android, but what was it? Modern Combat, I think, was one of those games for Android that you could have. Yeah, I think um, so. And it was kind of a Call of Duty Battlefield clone. Mm-hmm. But we're getting to that point now that, yes, phones are getting more powerful. People are realizing that you don't need to take a gaming laptop with you or a console with you or a portable console with you. Just take your phone and here's our support now for you just to go ahead and slap on a, uh, you know, slap on a... Um, adapter so you can actually hook it up to your controller and just go and i love it give us the original game audio though no no uh remake audio from the psp holy crap i don't i just (laughs) we got we got to take what we can get i I think we just got to take what we can get all right so let's go ahead and move into this next story here and of course (laughs) this is why it's like kind of funny for us especially because you know uh with the castlevania stuff um, and then now, of course, going into this next story here, you know, it's like, okay, we need to be the ones to just handle the news here. So <laughs> I think I think this really sits for us just fine. Don't, Dan, Preston, if you guys are listening, don't worry. We're, we're doing all right here. We're good. But we'll still need you for the other two sections, okay? All right, so next story here. Uh, from The Verge, Black Mesa, one of the most ambitious video game fan projects ever, is finally finished. Black Mesa was once a humble video game mod, but as of today, it's a full-fledged remake of Half-Life, newly released out of Steam Early Access. Developer Crowbar Collective finally launched a 1.0 version of Black Mesa, which updates the 1998 first-person shooter with smarter enemies, levels built from scratch, and a level of detail that wasn't possible two decades ago. Black Mesa, by far, is probably, like, I'm so happy that Valve decided to go ahead and sanction this as being a um that's something they can do yeah you know and actually make money off of it too that now that they can actually go in and sell it um and it just it it brings new life to um the half-life series itself and i wonder maybe you might think the same thing on this one i wonder if maybe it being released as a 1.0 now is in support of alex coming out here in another few weeks i could see that maybe um i don't know tied in with that free Half-Life game deal that's been going on since mid-January, where you can download all of the different Half-Life games and play them until Half-Life Alex comes out. But maybe it's still kind of tied into it's like, well, you could play the original Half-Life here for free for a few months, or kick around a couple bucks, and now here you got the updated version, and it's no skin off our back. Uh, To be fair, though, I think it would more coincide with the, the fact of when they released the the zen level mm-hmm. um because when they released the zen level is when those downloads went active okay for for the uh free to play so um that's one thing to consider um i i i don't know i think this is almost more of a celebration of just that it's being finished finished and now they can actually start patching like making those minor patches and going back because they are still having some issues flickering. Um, saves. I was looking at the patch notes. Um, like save screens. Um, instead will not not actually display the picture of the level, but they'll display a picture of the console. But it's minor really? issues. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's well. You know, to be honest with you, a fan developed. Um, you know, fan developed remake of this game that came out in '98. 
will not be without its problems. Well, I mean, and the level of QA that they can do is only going to be so much. The, they, they've had a lot of time to do this. Though, yeah, too. and the, this is a, more of a free time project for them. So yeah, I mean, these the, just like the podcast is for us, is these folks have other things to do in their lives, and yeah. this is just a side thing. But I'm looking it up on my phone right now. I wasn't trying to ignore you or anything there. No, but you're I was good. looking it up on Steam, so it definitely is available as of today. And it currently is going for $19.99 for that remake. So if you want to pick it up, uh, it has 50 Steam achievements. Um, for me, it says it's similar to Doom from 2016 and Fallout New Vegas, even though I don't think that's really true. Maybe Doom itself, but I don't know. That's just a funny little bit there. But yes, it is available on Steam now. 20 bucks can go ahead and uh, get you that Half-Life 1 remake. And even if you don't pick it up today, it's one of those ones that steam has on sale constantly so you can pick it up for like 15 bucks oh i'm sure some cash hey and we got summer sale here in a couple months now so it'll yeah, probably drop yeah. probably even 50 percent or more so cool well, let's go ahead and jump into the next one here uh this one comes to us from games radar and if i can go ahead and flip the screen over here uh the last of us hbo series is coming and neil Druckmann is co-writing it with chernobyl's creator the Last of Us HBO series is official and sounds almost too good to be true. HBO revealed the series on its official Twitter account and The Hollywood Reporter followed up with details. It is based on the events of the original game and is also being helped by Chernobyl creator Craig Ma- uh, Mazin, or Mazin. Though it's not confirmed yet, The Last of Us HBO series may also feature details and stories pulled from The Last of Us 2, which is coming in May. Uh, that's cool. I think The Last of Us is one of those games that has enough... Um, well, I hate to say that really. I think the universe in Last of Us will definitely fit really well as a, um, as a television series. Oh, most definitely. I think it really will. And there, there's a few other things. I mean, we know where the development hell has been with a Uncharted movie, with a Halo movie. Right. You know, so we get these side little things. Like we got the Uncharted fan film with Nathan Fillion in it. We got the, um, we got the, the Halo series that was released you know, an episode at a, at a time on YouTube. Right. Um, the one right. that was tied in, I think, with Halo 4. Um, and then there was another Halo series, I think, on Showtime that came out or is getting ready to come out. So there are these little tie-in things that are going on. But I think Last of Us is actually going to be a good one. Um, and it might actually be one for me to go and sign up for HBO now. Yeah. go and check that out. Um, what would your hopes be for this? Do you want them to follow... Uh, the story as it was I with Joel don't know. and Ellie. I kind of, I kind of would rather because I feel like um, the game is a big chunk of the story itself. I feel okay. like they should do like an in between. Like I want to know what happened, you know, for the two main characters between the time of the first game and the second game. Because if you want to know the, the the story for the first game, mm-hmm. go play the game. You know, yeah, it's like we don't need a retelling of the game when, like, to be honest, right now we could just go onto YouTube and watch every cutscene and watch some gameplay of it and yeah. have everything built up. So, you know, I that's the big thing, and that's kind of what I was hoping you were going to say. Um, I don't want them to follow the story that's already there. It would be neat to see more of the development of. Um, I mean, if it does include Joel and Ellie in it, that it shows their development from where we saw them at the, like, from the beginning. Like, when the outbreak started, when the problems began, you know. Right. How did they get to be to the point that they were at um, before they actually, you know, before the 
events of the first game. Yeah, and you know? if, if they need to go back to the first game, make it a quick little like flashback snippet. Mm-hmm. Don't actually like you know make the show about that the game. That that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the I feel like that ruins the creative idea of the writers that wrote the game. Yeah, and that's the difficulty I think that you get with these properties is that they've written such like well done stories that it's just easy enough just to copy and paste. Right. And, you know, make some cleanup and add in maybe a little bit more gore, a little bit more chaos to make it more, you know, watchable, I guess, in the sense of a TV show or a movie. Um, But I think that's why we have the problems with the Uncharted movie and the Halo movie. You know, that's why we haven't seen a Bioshock movie or a Gears movie or anything either is because they want to do that, but then they also want to add their own spin to it. And it's like, ah, crap. Now it just comes out looking like shit. We're just going to let these guys go play the game. So I hope so. That would be cool. That was actually some really great news to see come out yesterday. Yeah. Um, I know my phone blew up with notifications from Google, from Twitter, and that saying, hey, oh my God, we're doing this. I'll be a little bit more excited when I hear actors. Yeah. There are some rumors out there right now about who some of the actors actually could be, but I think most of it is just wishing Uh, that it's like, okay, because it's like, okay, who could we cast as Joel? Who could we cast as Ellie? See, and I, I. I was watching a bunch of videos earlier today, um, and a lot of people are throwing around Hugh Jackman uh, for Joel. And it's like, of course you would throw around Hugh Jackman. I, you know? Well, he's – okay. But that's so, just fans that are throwing it around. It's right. not like studios are doing it. But the it. question is, like, would we even need a safe bet like that where we actually need a well-known actor or actress to play them? I think they say, should almost go with someone that that's – Fresh out the gate, you know. Yeah, or someone who has done some acting, but the acting has been more like independent, low level, right? Stuff very because, minimal, or yeah. you know, very, very like maybe B movie, so they're not in the the spotlight. Like maybe keep some of your side characters as those actors who have been in the game for a while, who have, who are developed, who have their craft down. Have them as right. side characters, maybe not necessarily detrimental to the plot, but make the main characters of whatever you're doing here. Um, people we've never heard of. I think that would make it a little bit more worthwhile to get sucked into just the way that Game of Thrones did it. But I think that that also goes back to one of the reasons I don't want it to be about the original series or about the second or the original game or the second game mm-hmm. is because I feel like the actors like Troy Baker and you know, they did a good job, you know, doing their part. Mm-hmm. You know, why should we detract from what they did, you know, their performance? And, you know, celebrate their performance, but then, you know, build build on it with the, with another story. Right. And I think that's going to be the key thing for this to be successful. We don't know how long it's going to be until this is actually out, but because this was just announced, my guess is they've probably got to have several episodes of a script written or at least a pilot episode written. Yeah, at least so a pilot. I would think if Last of Us 2 comes out, would they actually put the date on here? So if Last of Us 2 is coming out in May, I wonder if we're going to see a pilot episode or a first episode by the end of May or beginning of June, just yeah, after the game close. drops. Yeah. I, I want, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we've seen, we've seen some things rush through before though, too, but who knows? Maybe that'll end up being a downfall for it and they just won't go past like, you know, four or five episodes. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and carry on here to the next story in our list. And this one here, again, I got to switch back to the Chrome capture. All right. Uh, This one comes to us from Polygon. Uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X standout features may require a new TV. And so, of course, you and I were kind of talking about this again behind the scenes. 
Um, so this, of course, is all based on rumor right now and the assumption of how um, how the technology within the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 is going to work. Um, so the article actually goes on, says, we haven't yet seen detail that hardware specifications from Microsoft or Sony, but the information that the companies have revealed so far suggests that they're designing their next-gen consoles for next-gen TVs. Yes, this is where we start getting into tech jargon, VRR, ALLM, 8K, 120 hertz, but these new features have the potential to be dramatic upgrades. So yes, that's, to be quite honest, everything that they listed there is 100% correct. Yes, is that those are dramatic upgrades from anything that anybody has in their gaming or even media consumption arsenal right now. Right. 8K TVs are still very cost prohibitive. I mean, 4K TVs, you can go over to Walmart and buy one. Granted, it's not a great one. You can buy one for 250 bucks. Well, shoot. How, how many years ago now was it that 8Ks were just proof of concept? That's true. I mean, and you wouldn't think of much of anything like an 8K television except out of anything more than either the ultra-wealthy um, or seeing it as like a display piece in like a movie theater or something like that right. too. Um, or are you? Well, not even movie, not necessarily like that in a movie theater. But I'm thinking more like the resolution that you see on an actual movie theater screen. Right, you know, it's right. like 4K or even going up to that level, or going as far as the jumbotrons at uh, sporting arenas. So they're they need to be 8K because if you want that resolution for the farther distance, everything looks fine, and even up close, you're still getting some good quality out of it. But that is definitely something to really kind of think about because. As you and I were talking about, what was the spec? HDMI 2.1? 2.1. Yeah, right here. Yeah, right here is what we were talking about. So the key to this forward-looking technology relies or lies in the HDMI port on the rear of both consoles. The Xbox Series X will have an HDMI 2.1 port, Microsoft confirmed recently, while mentioning that the console will support gaming-oriented TV features such as O or auto low-latency mode and variable refresh rate. Both of them already are available on the Xbox One S and Xbox One X, although few existing TVs can take advantage of them. As for the PS5, there's no word on these features. So that's true. That's very true, is that the HDMI 2.1 port is it's... It's kind of like taking those next steps onto how, like, display technology has changed from H... Like, for computers, like HDMI to DisplayPort, DisplayPort to Thunderbolt. Um, and even using like Thunderbolt over USB Type C to right. power a monitor, like one of my monitors is at work. Um, that's a big issue all on its own because, um, first off, if people are going out and dropping six hundred dollars on a console at launch, especially one of these, you're not going to. I don't think you're going to see many people going out and buying an 8K TV or a TV that has a lot of these features in it, which may cost a thousand dollars or more. Right. Same day, you'll have a few people. But not the masses. Well, and I think in the article they mention a little further down that something like there was only um, eight TVs in one company that that released last year, and that was out of a line of so many. You know, so we're we're looking at very minimal amounts of these TVs that are Especially having the two point one port um, support mm-hmm. coming out every year. So you, you're going to have to have a specific TV to, to even get those features. And that's that's the key thing is that's that's not necessarily a problem because you look at how long it took for 4K to kind of build up. I mean, hell, look at look at how 3D worked out, too. Look at where we're at with televisions that have 3D in it. Do you see many of those being no. sold anymore? No, it's a, it's a dead, a dead technology, really, for consuming um, content in the home. However... 
with HDMI 2.1, I did find the section here in the article. It says that TV makers, including LG, Samsung, Sony, TCL, and Vizio, have said they'll offer HDMI 2.1 ports on at least some of their 2020 models. However, they're going to be expensive models. They are not going yeah. to be your cheap Walmart, Sam's Club, Target models. These aren't going to be your Black Friday deal models. Exactly. These, that's not what these are made for. And so I think what you're going to see is that um, you're going to see a lot of people who are not going to upgrade and are going to plug into their standard 4K televisions and are just going to use the backwards compatibility that HDMI 2.1 offers. Because it's it's HDMI 2.1 with all the new features, but if you can't support it, it scales back and does everything else. So I still right. expect us with 4K TVs to get HDR. Um, we probably won't see the variable refresh rate because the only things you see for most of those, I think, are the TVs that are like the those AMD FreeSync TVs and right. the um, those NVIDIA, those newer NVIDIA TVs that have G-Sync built into them. Um, or the TVs that have G-Sync in them, though, as well, even if they're not NVIDIA-made. But, um, you know, you're going to see some of these higher-quality things, but to get to the very top of what they're expecting in regards to actual, um, like, actual output of all these different features, you're going to have to upgrade to a new TV in the very near future. Mm -hmm. And that's a shame, because 4K got so cheap that 8K is now going to rear its ugly head in, and it's going to be just cost prohibitive, especially just like, I mean, like it was yeah. in the short term, but I don't see anything related to like 8K or even a lot of the support like this, or a lot of the support like this probably come out in 4K. I don't see anything being cheaper than a grand for a TV yeah. to do this. So it's more cost for all of us. It's more cost for all of you. And we just, we kind of have to suck it up with that. But we at least know that when we get our Series Xs and our PlayStation 5s on launch day, we'll be able to plug them in and just play. We will be able to do what we want to do. We'll enjoy the quality of the games. We'll be able to um, to still be able to play multiplayer, do all the things that we're doing now. Just a few of those features are going to be on the back burner until the next version of tech and televisions is more widely available and is more affordable. Yep. That's what we got. So we move on here to our last story of... The evening. And this one we kind of just came across, but it's actually a very interesting one, though, too, especially in the wake of um, streaming and gaming kind of going hand in hand um, for gaming consumption. This one comes to us from Business Insider. Uh, this says Google's ambitious push into gaming is floundering, and it's due largely to too few games on its Stadia platform. Here's why developers have held back. I gotta say that's a very clickbait title. I fucking despise. <laughs> yeah. That's a very huge headline though, too. Like that's the headline, like a giant ad and a headline. Ugh, excuse me. So, uh, let's see. We're gonna have the giant this. start now clickbait button at the top. God, <laughs> I think that clickbait as a clickbait ad that's gonna install some type of virus on my damn computer. Right. Let's not do that, okay? Um, so let's see here. This is the this is the actual quote here we wanted to talk about. So. Uh, we were approached by the Stadia team, one prominent indie developer told me. Usually with that kind of thing, they lead with some kind of offer that will give you an incentive to go with them. But the incentive was kind of non-existent, they said. That's the short of it. It's a statement we've heard echoed by several prominent indie developers and two publishing executives we spoke to for this piece. It isn't that there isn't enough money there, one of the publishing executives we spoke to said. The offer was apparently so low that it, it wasn't even part of the conversation. Um, that's, that's not necessarily like, I guess, interesting, really. 
it's or it doesn't really come off as much of a surprise. Yeah. That Stadia is trying to be built up and Google has this expectation that these developers are able to take their existing properties that they've already been putting out on PC and Switch and um, Xbox and PlayStation and flip a switch to actually just put them on Stadia. Um, and so that's why they're probably looking at more like the incentivizing being very low because like, well, you already yeah. have to made the game. Here's just another platform to put it on. Just right. do it. And uh, for some of the games, it might be as easy as just flipping the switch. Mm-hmm. But it is about that incentive for the companies and it's just not there, you know? Yeah. And see, this is farther down here in the article. This is one of those big things too, that we've talked about. Like if you go back and look at several of our, or look at, listen to several of our uh, previous news episodes, we talk quite a bit about the cloud gaming uh, scene right now with PlayStation now stadia, the game streaming beta um, and so on. But Really, for Stadia, we've always seen that as kind of being the Achilles heel of the streaming, of the game streaming world. Um, And this is definitely even part of that article. They even address it here, too. Um, This concern that Google might just give up on Stadia at some point and kill the service, as it has done with so many other services over the years, was repeatedly brought up unprompted by every person we spoke to or spoke with for this piece. Uh, The quote here goes on, says, with Google, it's easy to look at them as well. It's Google. One publishing exec said, if anyone's going to make it work, it's them. But they failed a ton in the past and walked away from their major services. So that's kind of the thing that a lot of us have really looked at, um, both as just individual gamers and contributors to this podcast, that, you know, this is a great tech. But if you don't have the games to support it or you're not willing to put out the effort to really drive developers to come in and um you know make games for you then you're not gonna last like this is going to actually die probably a lot faster than we think it is going to well and i had even voiced early on before the stadia came out that i i was worried that this is going to be one of google's ventures that they're just kind of like at one point they're meh Whatever, you know, we did it, we, we did it, mm-hmm. but we're not going to support it or anything. And that was the thing with me when Stadia was first announced is that I was gung-ho to hop on board for it. I was ready to go pay the $130 for the Founders Edition uh, to get that controller, to get the Chromecast Ultra that would work with it, uh, to take advantage of their pro platform so you could get the free games, the, yeah. the 4K, and so on. But... um as time went on, it just seemed like I couldn't find any reason to actually go purchase it. Um, there's no value there for me on yeah. it anymore. And I think anybody who probably listens to this, um, listens to us, especially in the news and the way we play games, that we are definitely not the target audience for the game streaming, at least right now. No. Um, this is for people who don't own a console or don't have a way to, say, hook up a console to something um, but they want to be able to play games with what they have. And that would be where Google steps in with um, being able to hook up their controller and play through a Chromebook, play through your Android phone. Right. Um, but the others are just following the suit, same suit. I mean, we've got Xbox game streaming. I can play on my on my OnePlus 7 here. Yeah. Um, PlayStation Now, I can actually play through the computer if I want. I just need a PlayStation controller. Uh, GeForce Now is 
streaming PC games where you don't actually have to have a beefy gaming computer. You just need to be able to connect to their service and have a good internet connection. I mean, hell, I'm sure that if I booted up my son's old Acer laptop that I could connect to GeForce Now and play a game that was running at um, a very steady 60 frames per second, you know, 1080p, 60 frames per mm-hmm. second game and have no issues. Right. But they're more established in this environment than Google is. Google only has the the engineering behind it, mostly for the, the networking and the data center side. Right, right. So I want to ask you this then. How, if... If Google was to follow suit with the rest of their products or, or follow suit with this, like the rest of their products, how long do you think Stadia has? Oh, man. How much time do you think you'd actually put on that platform being around? Like if they if they followed through with it? Mm-hmm. Um, if, it if, they, if they actually increase their library as they say they're going to, if they continue to add the features, and I hate to say this, if they had the features that they were going to day one, but have now staggered, um, do you think it's going to be enough to bring people in and to actually make people buy this and make it a long-lasting project? That's tough to say. I, You know, I don't think that... I think we're four, like four years away for, for a truly full streaming console to be truly viable. Okay. So I think I could see Stadia, honestly, falling apart in the next year. Okay. In that, that's my personal opinion. If they can survive this year... And they they can uh, work out some sort of contract um, with with game publishers, with game developers to get to get more exclusive content, to get more content in general, and to make the incentive better. I could see more people coming over, especially like a younger crowd that you know has very limited access or maybe more of a, even a jet set crowd that, you know, they're, they're out and about. That would, no, that would make, that's the target audience. I think that this needs to be aimed at, not your hardcore gamers. These are the people who want to play their games, who miss, who are missing out on the way you can play on a console, but don't have the time to sit down in front of their TV and play. Right. That's what this is built for, to be able to bridge to that audience. So you you see, and I feel like, they they also Google is also expecting the mm-hmm. the Stadia to be almost like a Steam service where it can continue on. That's why they want it to be so limited to just the Chromecast and a controller and your internet access. Yeah, and so, I the other part I see with it too though is this being a way for a <coughs> parent to not necessarily buy their kids a console or a gaming PC, but here is a small investment. I will buy the games for it, no problem. Right. But it's easier for me to disconnect and take away if you are in trouble than a full console is to disconnect oh, yeah. and do too. And I'm a parent, so I can speak from experience on that one. You know, you disconnect the Chromecast Ultra, throw it in a drawer somewhere where the kids won't find it, and they can't go play their games. Right. They can't get on and do anything. So that's, I think, going to be. I think that's going to be part of the market itself, but that's where my concern is, is that I don't think it's going to last. I don't think so. I think we're only going to see this go on, um, I think, probably through maybe next summer. If they don't have the adoption that they need, if the developers are not putting out all the games that they were hoping to, or they being Google, um, that they were hoping to for Stadia, and... um, they're not just getting people to buy the product. It's just not going to last. And so, so I'm, thinking probably, I'm thinking <laughs> probably by next summer. I'm putting it yeah. here right now, March 6, 2020, that 
Google Stadia will not last um, through next summer. And if it does, then I don't know. I think something. if it does, it's got at least four years. But that's if it lasts through the the not not just this summer, but if it lasts until the next summer. If it can yeah. make it that far, then maybe it's got four years traction on it. That would be cool. That would be really cool. But um, then again, we yeah. also need to see some uh, advents in in networking and you know um, just our internet in the U.S. Yes, yes. So. More emphasis on gigabit internet and um, or excuse me, asynchronous gigabit internet. Where or is it synchronous? Basically, where you're getting a gigabit down and you're sending sending a gigabit out. Right. So that way you're keeping the connection the exact same. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to have that same problem where we have here in town, where it's like I've got 100 megabits per second down and 10 megabits per second up. Right. Yeah. I'm constantly fluctuating between probably, I want to say, 9 and 12 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And as I've seen even with my game streaming from my Xbox through my router, through the Internet, and that back to my um, my phone in my house on the same Wi-Fi connection – I still notice problems. Yeah. So yeah, it's there's definitely an issue there where 10 megabits per second is not enough. So that's something that's going to have to be looked forward uh, or looked for uh, going forward on any more of these streaming developments. But with that said, that's it for us on our inaugural, uh, I guess, <laughs> our inaugural weekly news roundup stream. So Kyle, this is awesome. I think this is going to be the you and I thing here for sure. I think so. We'll go ahead and... Um, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and get this published up on YouTube so anybody who misses it can check it out here on our Facebook page or check it out on YouTube. Uh, just search for the NPCs. Or you can go ahead and grab the link uh, from our Facebook page and get yourself over there. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, this week we're going to be dropping a video of Dreams, uh, a once-over of Dreams that Preston did. So that will be going up, I believe, probably Sunday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Um, anything else? Um, as far as other videos this week, I don't think so. Make sure you tune into the podcast throughout the week. Um, yes, we got a great topic yeah. this week though, too. Uh, don't say anything. We got I a great, <laughs> <laughs> we got a great topic this week. So we'll have episodes out. Uh, news will be published on Monday. We will have, uh, what we're playing on Wednesday. And then of course on Friday, we will have our topic. So thanks everybody for tuning in to, again, the inaugural weekly news roundup for the NPCs. We will catch you all later. Later.